If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. And uh, we're going to read just a couple passages here. Uh, uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay because we put them on the screens here so that you can, you can read them there and you can take notes or you can just listen. Uh, if you don't have time to take notes and you want to go back and reference the, the messages here at Church on the Hill, they're always on our website. They get posted usually at the end of the second service. And so if you miss one, you're out of town, or you'd like to just keep up with what we're teaching and ministering on, you can go to the website, click on them. They'll open up right away. They're just in audio. They're not in video yet. And everybody said, amen. Come on, yeah. Because I'm so good looking, you want to see it? No, anyway, all right, that's what, keep it audio, right? <laughs> Gave you enough time to find verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Somebody ought to say amen. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now, Paul is communicating, uh, this, 1 Corinthians is being written to the Corinthians, and they are Greek Christians, typically, uh, for the most part. And what I mean by that is, um, as you understand, hopefully in Scripture, that God made a covenant with Abraham, and the Jews, or Abraham's descendants, his grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren, became God's people because they made covenant. And they said, we will serve you, even if the peoples of the world will not. And God said, okay, you'll be my people. And so that's where we get Israel, or the Jewish race. And so as a result, Jesus came as, as, a, as a gift from the Father um, through the Jewish race. And, and so Paul here is correcting something in the Gentiles or in the, in, the, in the Greek Christians. And so they have become Christians. They are following Jesus. But they still got a good bit of their old Greek uh, phil, phil, uh, philosophy involved in their, in their everyday uh, operations. And so what's happening here is the Greeks don't really believe that Jesus raised from the dead physically. They believe, um, and, and Greek philosophy was such that the body was a hindrance it was a hindrance for, um, for, for us to be able to, to uh, aspire to greatness. And In fact, uh, the Greeks would actually um, cremate the body, and Christians in the first century would not uh, uh, participate in cremation because the Greeks cremated the body, uh, the dead body, because it was uh, what they considered the body kept them from being demigods. If you could destroy the body, then you could be a demigod. You could be like Zeus and the other ones, and you could reign and rule somehow uh, spiritually out in the hemisphere some kind of way. And so... Paul is correcting the fact that they still, although they're Christians and they're following Jesus, he's bringing a truth, a very important truth about the resurrection. And he's saying that, listen, Jesus didn't just uh, resurrect spiritually, he resurrected physically. And he goes into teaching them and saying, listen, not only did he resurrect, but you could see the scars in his body. You could see, you could see, he, he walked through the wall, yes, but he sat there and ate in front of them. And they touched him. And he appeared, not just to Peter and not just to the disciples, but over 500 people he appeared to over a 40-day period. He said, not only did he die, but he resurrected. And he wasn't some spiritual ooey thing out there. He had a new body, a re resurrected body. And Paul is teaching this principle to these Greeks because they struggled to believe believe that because of the way they were raised. And I want you to understand the reason why this is so important and the reason I'm so passionate today. So if you're new, I'm not screaming. I'm just passionate about the one truth in all of creation, in all Christianity that separates every other religion in the world from us as believers. And that is this. Our Savior didn't just die. He raised from the dead. No one else can claim that. No other religion can say, well, you know, da, 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 and this one did this one. Yeah, they died. And their, and their bodies rotted in a grave. But Jesus Christ resurrected. 
It is the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. It's greater than, it's greater than, um, than, than walking on water. It's greater than stopping storms. Jesus Christ, the Savior, resurrected. Now, this passage talks about, it says, now listen, it says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits. You understand, in Bible times, first fruits and the agricultural, the way they lived their life, is they would plant the seed in the ground, and then that would begin to spring up, and that plant would come forth, and then it would bear fruit. And the first part of that harvest, the first fruits, the first that actually came forth, you know, it, I think you know this from growing tomato plants or whatever you grow, or you, you don't plant seeds, and they all bear fruit at the same time, at the same moment, ding, 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 12 o'clock, and they're all ripe. That's not at all what happens, right? There's one that kind of starts, it's that first one, you're like, yes, we're going to have tomatoes this year, no, bugs killed them, all right, and so, but you have that first one, and so what Paul is saying here is that Jesus was the first, he was the first fruit, he was the one who first resurrected, and he goes on to teach us that the resurrection of the dead will happen for all of us, and we will all have a resurrection from the dead, in fact, I'd like to point this out to you, each and every one of us will die. You have an appointment with death. He said, when is my appointment? I don't know. I hope it's not soon. But we all have an appointment with death, and the Bible says, and then the judgment. So what will happen for each and every one of us, we will have a moment where we die, and then there will be a moment when we resurrect with a new body. And then what happens from there depends, depends on what we do today, what we do now, what we've done in, in our lifetime, and how we've lived and who we've lived. And let me kind of present it like this. It says it like this. It says, now, Adam... Adam brought death into the world. Because of Adam, verse 22, all die. But because of Christ, all will be made alive. So let me kind of give you the understanding of what happened. When Adam and Eve are in the garden, and Satan, Lucifer, who's been kicked out of heaven, a fallen cherub, when he comes to them, I know it's kind of creepy, right? And when he comes to them, he says to them, what did God say about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And they said, oh, he said that we should not eat it. And if we did eat it, we should surely die. You shall not surely die. But instead, you'll have knowledge and be like God. The moment he speaks out these lies, which are half-truths, the moment he speaks these things out, what happens to Adam and Eve is they take a hold to him. And in their rebellion... They rebel against what God told them to do. They take of the fruit. And what happens is now sin, death, Lucifer, his nature now becomes a part of their DNA. When Adam and Eve was created, they were created perfect in the image of God. There was no hate in them. There was no perversion in them. There was no insecurity. Come on now. There was none of that junk in them. There was no sin nature in them. They were created in God's image. We are the only creatures on the planet and in all of history and in every sphere that you can imagine that have been created in God's image. He looked at himself in a mirror. This is how I picture it. And he begins to create man. And then he breathes in him the breath of life. We are in his image. That's why Lucifer hates us so much. That's why the powers of hell hate us so much. And he created us in his image. So Satan, in an attempt to destroy the very nature of God in us, says, I'm going to put my DNA in you and start corruption happening in you. Sickness and disease are the result of Lucifer, not the result of God. How can babies die of cancer? Because Lucifer put his DNA in humanity and we received it. So when we're born, in our nature, in our DNA, is the pits of hell are in our DNA. You don't have to teach a two-year-old to hit somebody. He does it naturally. Give me that toy. You're like, oh, my God, I've never seen Johnny do that. We did not teach him that. 
Mm. It's in our DNA. Because when Adam and Eve, the moment they took of the fruit in rebellion, the moment they listened, that came inside of them. It became a part of each and every one of us. That's why, like somebody, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. They said, you know, it's just so hard to be good. I said, I know, I don't even try. (laughs) Try to be good? Because here's the problem with trying to be good. You can never be good enough. And not only that, being good, I still can't do it because inside of me is Lucifer DNA. So what happens is when I become a Christian... The God DNA begins to be stirred in me again. The Holy Spirit comes inside of me and stirs God DNA inside of me. And I I start becoming like Christ. And so there's this conflict, and that's where some of you are at. You're in this conflict between Lucifer DNA that's already naturally inside of you. Because nobody has to tell you to get mad driving to work on 67. Come on, somebody. Lord Jesus. Nobody has to tell you that, oh my goodness, right there, I want to punch that guy right now. We grew up. You, talk, you cuss me, I'm going to punch you. You lie to me, I'm going to triple lie to you. You take from me, I'm going to take more from you. It was natural. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only, only person that ever been through something in this world? And as a result of that, God had to say, I've got to do something to get my DNA back alive inside the people. So what did God do? God found a little virgin teenage girl. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put my DNA inside of her. That's gonna, that seed is going to come forth and it's going to be the Savior, Jesus Christ. He will be born. He will live sinlessly. And when he dies, he'll go down into the pits of hell, into the, ba- the, the bellows, if you will, of Hades. And when he resurrects out of that, he will be the first fruits of a new and proper way. And those who follow him will have his DNA and those who follow him and have his DNA will start looking like him start acting like him and they'll start destroying Lucifer's DNA that's inside of them and as they walk uprightly before their God on the day of judgment I'll separate them out because they are mine you are his these are his and these will come into my rest forever and ever and those will be destined to what their father Lucifer has been destined to because hell was not created for you and me heaven was created for you garden of Eden was created for you and me. Paradise was created for you and me. And our rebellion caused us to give that away. And in humanity's rebellion and in Lucifer's DNA living and abiding in you and me as a result we become followers of the ways of this world. And that's why the Bible says narrow is the path that leads to life. But broad is the road to destruction. And there are many that are going there and few that find this road. Listen to me friend. Listen, I know right? Listen to me. The DNA of Jesus Christ becomes alive in me the moment I give myself to him. Because he is the first fruits. He's not the only fruit. He is the first fruit. Say it with me. He is the first fruit. This is a miracle. This is the greatest miracle of all humanity that you and I, though in our DNA is Lucifer stuff, in that happens inside of us naturally, that we are destined to the pit of hell only because we follow him, that Jesus Christ came to this earth and made a new and living way. And in the resurrection, he made a way that not only do I have the opportunity to live, I have the opportunity to die and resurrect with him into newness of life. And when Jesus resurrects, he has a new body, a new way. A new, a, new, a new physical look. It's a redeemed body. It's a resurrected body. And Paul is saying to them, we will have a resurrected body. And then you'll spend eternity with your resurrected master. Either with Satan or you'll spend it with Jesus. It's really that simple. He said, oh, pastor, I know it's that simple, but it sounds simple when you say it. But it's so hard. And that's what that young lady said to me. She said, it's just so hard to be good. I said, stop trying to be good. Let me tell you what I've learned. 
I'm not trying to be good. I'm trying to be close to Jesus. Because the closer I get to Jesus, the more I start acting like him. When I was a kid, I would go down the street and play with my friends. And I'd come home after about eight hours of playing. Anybody remember the days when we played down the street? And not here? Okay, yeah. So go down and play down the street. And I would come home and my mom would be like, you've been playing with Anthony, hadn't you? I was like, what do you mean? She goes, because you acting just like him. And she said, and we don't have that attitude up in my house right here. I'll tell you right now. You get your, I'll whoop you right here. You act like this anymore. You ain't never going down the street. And I'm going to beat you. What happens to us is if we'll get close to Jesus, we'll just start taking on his characteristics. We won't even realize it. I'm not trying to not be bad. I just want to be like Jesus. And in being like him, I start acting like him. I start talking like him. I start responding like him. I still got some of that old fleshliness in me. I still got some of that old death in me. But praise God, it can die and I can resurrect in newness of life. Come on, somebody. And so this is the day we celebrate. Our Savior didn't just die, he resurrected. He went down into the bellows, into the deep places of darkness. And the Bible says he took the keys of hell and death. He destroyed. The greatest enemy of humanity is death. It's it's the end. People live in such fear of death. I don't. It was like that time that guy pulled a gun on me and was going to try to kill me. I said, sir, you cannot threaten me with death. I'm trying to get to heaven already. Are you crazy? That's not a threat. Now, now, something else, you know, mess with my family and my kids, and now we're fighting. But death, man, come on, bring it on. I'll just get there a couple minutes earlier. Because a thousand years is like one day in heaven, right, or something like that. I want you to understand something. That God wants to resurrect the things in your life that are undone, that are broken. When, when you and I surrender to him, he brings life to it. I want you to hear the story of Shea, a gal in our church. She came to me a couple of weeks ago, and I'd been preaching, and, and she came up to me afterwards. She said, how do you know that about me? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, you made a little illustration. It's my story. And I said, I didn't know that about you. And she said, well, this is my story, and I wanted her to share it with us on video today. One day while I was at work, I got a phone call that I needed to rush home because my son had been flown to the hospital. Um, A million things was running through my mind. I didn't know what was going on. I was very, very confused, like, why is my son at the hospital? Um, I get to the apartments that we were staying in, and my boyfriend at the time, he comes running to me and falling on his knees and just crying hysterically. Um, trying to explain his side of the story of what happened and basically he had hit my son and 
He hit him so hard that his brain began to fill up with blood. When he was in the hospital, they had my son on life support, and I was talking to the detectives because they wouldn't let me go in to see my son when I got to the hospital. They were explaining to me that there was a possibility that my son was gonna die, and I was in such shock the detective looked at me and she was like, you're not even crying, as if to suggest that I had hurt, that I was also hurting my son. And I just looked at her in just unbelief because like, to me, she just couldn't even relate to what I was dealing with right then and there. I was in deep shock. I didn't, I couldn't understand what was going on. This guy basically manipulated me thinking that he was um, taking good care of my son and that he loved me and my son. and. Um, it was just a lot for me to take in all at once. I didn't know how to handle it. I just, it was too much at that time. My son ended up dying from, ended up dying because his brain filled up with blood. And because of how devastating my situation was with my son, I decided to um, get out and after five months of partying and smoking weed and just um, being in so many relationships that were just, I kept getting my heart broken. I was like, Lord, you said that you're all the man that I need, so let's try this out. Um, I gave my life to the Lord and I got radically saved. And when when I got saved, I was, I was just so on fire for God. I started witnessing everywhere. Um, I started making pamphlets. Um, just telling them about Jesus and wanting other people to know the goodness of God. If any of you are experiencing anything like my story, I just want to encourage you that God is your healer. He's able to take what the devil meant for your bad and turn it around for your good. Um, he's the one who can fill your heart and all those longings in your heart that you um, have been seeking to be filled. Only God can fulfill those desires in your heart and everything that you've been seeking for and that you've been searching for in the world um, through whatever it is. Um, he will come and fill all those empty places in you and make you whole, make you complete. It's only through him that it's only through him that you will be complete. Paul continues on in chapter 15, and he says this. He says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, there's no physical resurrection. He said, then why are we being persecuted? Why are people trying to stop us from preaching the resurrection of the dead? If it didn't happen, then why do people care? And I'll tell you why. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is. And the key piece of the gospel is that our Savior is not dead, but reigning and ruling. And all principalities and powers have been placed under his feet. Paul said it like this. He said, and if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then why are we doing all of this? Let's get drunk. Let's party it down. And he actually says it like, let's go with the prevalent philosophy. Eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die. If there is no resurrection and there is no judgment to come, then there's no reason to live our lives in dedication to Savior. Jesus Christ. He, it's all a hoax. 
But the fact that he did resurrect, that he appeared to many, that he is reigning and ruling, that fact remains, and each and every one of us will resurrect. You will resurrect with a new body, and either you'll spend eternity in the pit of hell with, your, with, with, with the master that you followed there, or you'll resurrect with your master Jesus Christ and spend eternity with him in, in holiness and righteousness. And, and, and the Bible says the wedding, the, the wedding banquet of the Lamb, where, where we'll party. I mean, you understand, God instituted seven feasts for the pe- people of Israel because he wanted to to have parties seven times a year we're not talking about we're going to sit in heaven God created the desire to have fun in each and every one of us and he is where it emanates from it's going to be a beautiful relationship for all of eternity and Paul's saying if there's no resurrection of the dead guys listen Greek Christians if there's no resurrection of the dead then why not just live the way we want to live if there's no accountability at the end of the age if there's no if there's no difficulty uh, for those who refuse to follow the way then why not just live the way we want he puts that in perspective she lived a life trying to find love, trying to find direction, trying to find it in all the things of this world. And at the end result, not only did she lose her nine-month baby, nine-month-old baby to, a, to a, a, a vicious act by a boyfriend, but she then went into all kinds of wickedness and perversion only to die in that and be resurrected in newness of life when she finds Jesus. And now she's out preaching and ministering. I want you to watch this next testimony by one of the members of our church, uh, Brother Kelly Ackerson. six years old I was a victim of of a divorce Um, I lived with my mother and for about the next six years I saw my father probably about 14 days out of each year at the age of 12 my father passed away from cancer at the age of 13 I uh, initially uh, asked the Lord to be to come into my life. Followed the Lord for two or three years, but at the age of 16, I made a conscious choice to quit following the Lord and follow the ways of the world. From 16 up to about 23, um, I became uh, the largest drug dealer in my area in Oak Cliff experienced every drug and every alcohol that that that's that was of that day um, I was put in jail four times but at 24 I made the worst decision of my life a conscious and a mutual decision to abort a child that's when my life started to spiral out of control From the time of the decision that I made to abort that child, I wanted to numb myself. 
and that I did until uh, 1999 where I had reached the end of my rope. I had no rope left. I was in a condition where I had been diagnosed with severe depression to where all I could do was drive to work and back. And, and the rest of the time I just laid in bed. When I left that doctor's office being diagnosed and wanting to be put on antidepressants and counseling and everything, the Lord spoke to me in my sister's back seat in her red Jimmy truck. And he said, why don't you just face what you need to face in life and move on? It was a choice to make. You, you have a choice to make. It's your free will to choose. Am I going to hold on to this and stay in prison? Or am I going to believe what the Lord has to say through people that, that, that speak truth to you? Is when I began to release it and get healing and get freedom from it. To those that are at the end of their rope, I say it's a good place to be. It's a painful place to be, and it's not a fun and, and uh, glorious place to be. But the only direction you have is to look up. But I would ask that you would be sensitive to the Lord's voice because he is there with you. And when you relinquish your control and you begin to run back to the Lord, he'll run back to you and you won't be disappointed. You know, the Lord resurrected Kelly from a life of depression brokenness resurrected Shay from a life of trying to find love in the arms of somebody who only disappointed her he'll resurrect you he'll resurrect me you continue on in that chapter 15 and you go a little further down Paul's tone changes and it goes from a warning awakening tone to a tone of excitement we'll pick up in verse 50 and says I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will all, excuse me, we will, all, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. In other words, we may not all die. We may still be living when the trumpet is blown, but we will all change. We'll take on that new body, a resurrected body in that moment. For the perishable must, be clo must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Paul says it like this. He says, listen, it'll happen. We'll take on what is perishable will be changed. <laughs> 
and all of a sudden we will be imperishable. The body that we have will be imperishable. Whether we live forever in torment or we live forever in glory with the Lord, we will take on imperishable. And then what is said, it will be true. Where is the sting of death? Where does death have power over us? Death has been defeated at the cross. Death was defeated at the resurrection when Jesus came back to life. It's been under his feet ever since. And for us, who are not maybe the second fruits, and maybe we're not the third fruits, maybe we're the tenth or the millionth fruit, whatever we are, we will be able to say, death has no power over me. I live forever and ever with the king of glory because in the life before, in the life of imperishable, I lived before the Lord. I did my best to serve him. I made him the Lord of my life. And as a result of this, an imperishable body has been given me and forever I will live with him in eternity. Listen to me, friend. It's the most exciting time of our life to celebrate the imperishable. The p- fact that our Savior didn't just die, but he resurrected. So when people talk about Easter, that's sweet and cool. And, and I love to interact with the eggs and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters when we celebrate Easter, if you will, is the resurrection of the living Savior. And what that means to us as believers is that we don't have to die with the devil, but we can live and proclaim the works of the Lord. That we don't have to be destined just because that's in our DNA doesn't mean it has to destroy us. Just because that's what came in our life when sin entered into humanity and we willingly went that way with it, that we can go another way. We can make the same decision like Kelly Ackerson said so clearly. He said, I knew when I needed to make the decision, and I was at the end of my rope. You say, well, I'm not at the end of my rope. I'm enjoying where I'm at. Friend, listen to me. You won't one day. One day you'll give an account for how you lived on this planet, and whether or not you rejected or accepted the Lord your Savior. There'll be no laughter about it. There'll be no silliness about it. There'll be no getting out of it and trying to get hooked up by somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. There'll only be Straight and unadulterated truth. Did you or did you not allow the DNA of the living God to be a part of your life? And did you or did you not serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I know it's a sobering word. I don't like to speak about it much because I I always want to encourage people. But this is the greatest encouragement I could ever give you. Serve the Lord your God. Allow his DNA to come inside of you. He said, I'm not perfect. Neither am I. I'm great. Me either. Woo, praise God. We're just a bunch of imperfect people with the DNA of God starting to stir inside of us as believers. We're becoming more and more like him every day. And we have a hope and a glory. We have a destiny that cannot be taken from us. And though death may come, death has no power over us because we will resurrect. We'll resurrect with him in newness of life. Are you with me today? Say yes. Amen. Bow your heads with me all across the room.